Hey guys, welcome back. It's Sarah and Narelle, your hopeless, not truthless Bravo recappers from the North. Please help us be a little less hopeless and a little more truthful by hitting that follow or subscribe button. Or if you really want to make our week, give us a five-star rating wherever it is that you're listening to us. We appreciate all of you so much. You can also follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Hopeless Not Truthless Pod and talk to us there. Narelle, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've had a pretty good week so far. How about you? Yeah, time is flying. It's going to be Halloween soon. I can't wait. I love Halloween. Love, love, love it. I think this might be my favorite time of year, the lead up to Christmas. I'm not a big summer person. I never have been. I don't like the sun. I don't like the heat. (laughs) I don't like any of it. So the weather getting cooler and everything's starting to die. I'm like, yes. (laughs) I too am a big fall fan. It's the perfect mix, you know, no snow, just beautiful colors, sweater weather, baby. Oh, see, I I want the snow. I want it all. I want that those deep piles of snow outside of my window. I can't wait. Do you have any Thanksgiving plans coming up? Because yeah, Canadian Thanksgiving is coming up this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. It's crazy because Canadian Thanksgiving is not a thing like the U.S. My American family, it is a huge to do, and we're like, they're mm. they're always saying Happy Thanksgiving, and we're like, thanks, I guess. Um, we're just doing a turkey dinner, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing too crazy. What about you? Pretty much the same. Turkey dinner, all the fix-ins, we'll probably just have a nice little night, have some drinks, maybe play some games. Ooh. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll have some family drama to report back next week, so (laughs) I'll keep everyone posted. Oh, I hope so. Oh my god. (laughs) It's the best. The post-family get-together drama. It's wild. Very. Love it. Very insane. (laughs) Okay, speaking of insane, I have been telling you a little bit about what's been keeping me fixated this week, and that is the trial I've been watching. I've been watching a live trial on YouTube. I don't know if you guys have seen that documentary called Taking Care of Maya on Netflix, but it's about a little girl who allegedly has CRPS, and I obviously have CRPS, so this has kind of captured my interest, and I'm watching the trial between the girl's family and the hospital play out right now every day. I can't help it. I'm fixated, Sarah. I can't stop. No, I can imagine. It hits pretty close to home for you. Um, I haven't had the Mm -hmm. opportunity to watch, but I want to, and it sounds like quite a gong show. You kind of have because (laughs) I send you clips and tell you my findings and share everything with you. And poor Sarah has to put up with me being fixated. No, it is so fascinating and kind of hard to believe, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much been the majority of my week. (laughs) I've had it playing in the background just while I'm like bopping around the house and I'm getting ready for winter. I've taken everything in off of my patio because where I live, it could pretty much start snowing in the next couple weeks here. So I was not prepared last year. I want to be prepared this year. So 
It's just been kind of a productive week, I guess. It's pretty hard to believe. Only a few weeks ago, we were talking about wildfires in your city, and now we're talking about snow. Yeah. And that's just the way it works. It's unbelievable. So dry. And then as soon as the snow disappears, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's on fire again. Exactly. It's pretty fucked. <laughs> oh, Canada. <laughs> I I did a thing. I did a thing. I bought a sourdough starter. Narelle, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm terrified. If any. Sarah. What? No. You're blowing my mind. No, I didn't oh. buy one. <laughs> I know. But all week I have been Googling sourdough starters because I've been thinking, I'm like, you know what I should do? Even though I can't eat it because I can't eat carbs, I should, you know, get a sourdough starter and learn how to make bread and make it for the family. Oh, because my. why not? <laughs> we really are connected. We are seriously connected. It's so <laughs> fucking wild. So fucking weird. Okay, give me the details. What is this? I don't know what I'm doing. It looks pretty intense. You have to really let this dough rise for several hours. So I am doing my research. I know that's a very triggering statement. From my understanding, you basically have to be home the whole day to like monitor it. Yes, you do. It's like a lot. Yeah. I know. It's a very intense process. Uh, which I did not expect. So I will I will keep everyone updated on my journey, my sourdough journey. Can you mail bread in Canada Post? <laughs> oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I will give you some starter next time I see you. So you just keep it alive, hey? Yeah. For that. Where are you keeping in it? In the fridge. So if you keep it in the fridge, it stays dormant, basically. The minute it kind of comes to room temperature... You have to feed that sucker almost every day. So gotcha. I'm keeping mine in the fridge for now because I have no idea what I'm doing. So, yes. All right. Okay. All right. Well, next time I see you, I'll take some of your yeah. weird starter. My fermented goop. I would love some of your fermented goop. Thank you. That's... <laughs> but also, I do want I do want you to mail me some, mail me a loaf of bread. You got it, sister. When you make it. Mm, I love sourdough. I miss your baking. Oh, God, I don't miss baking, but thank you. Sarah, during the pandemic, started her own kind of baking company, I guess. Yeah, well, from home. Yeah, but (laughs) you were like fully booked. The busiest (laughs) I have ever been. It was 40 hours a day. literally, Literally, it was the most intense time of my life. My husband was like, hi. Do you remember me? Our kitchen was completely cluttered <laughs> with baking shit. Norelle was here a few times. She saw the chaos. And then every time I came over, you were like, here, decorate this cookie. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> help. Help. You guys should have seen like the artistic details. She did those sugar cookies where it's like looking at an actual piece of artwork. <laughs> Each cookie looked like it took you 10 hours to do. And then you had orders for like thousands of cookies. <laughs> It was impressive as fuck. Thank you. It is so much work. And to anyone out there who is in the same biz, I take my hat off to you. I commend you. It is a very wonderful experience because people always love cookies and sweets and goods. But man, is it labor intensive for not very much money. Yeah. 
So this is going to be your first your first Christmas, your first holiday without a whole bunch of cookie orders. I'm thrilled. I can actually bake for myself. <laughs> for my family. Bake for joy again. Yes, 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 yes. Narelle, we have a lot to talk about today. And oh, man, like Southern Charm. We sure do. Salt Lake City, Real Housewives of New York, and of course, the Real Housewives of Orange County Reunion. It's a lot. There's a lot going on here. It is a lot. Should we get started? Yes, let's do it. Do you want to start with Southern Charm? Yeah, let's, we'll go in order of how these episodes play on TV. Yes. Okay, (laughs) let's go. All right, let's head over to Charleston. Okay, guys, Southern Charm, Season 9, Episode 3, He Said, She Said. So we're going to start things off with Austin and Taylor. They're on the phone. It's the morning after boys' night. And Austin invites Taylor to come over for a wee spot of IV. You know, definitely just as friends, though. Just as friends. There's nothing. No romantic. Nothing here. We're just friends who do IVs together. After we're drinking. (laughs) No awkward vibes there. (laughs) And then we see that JT is hungover as well. Severely hungover. He asked Alexa for (laughs) Advil and I, that was kind of funny. We've got some more (laughs) background info on JT this week. And basically we discover he's a big old mama's boy. And makes his money from renovating buildings and he rents them out as Airbnbs. Yeah, the the first mommy was interesting. I'll say that. I thought he was just joking around. But the second and the third and the fourth mommy definitely got my eyebrows going. I was like, what is going on here? Listen, I love a man who loves his mom. That's one of the the biggest criterias for me in going into a new relationship is I always look to see how does this guy treat his mom? What does he think of his mom? It's a great indicator of how that man's going to treat you. But this might be a little bit overboard for me. <laughs> Mommy. It was unbelievable. And then the dog, Poppy Seed. Hello, my little Poppy. I, I thought, wow. <laughs> She's definitely a character. He is. I kind of liked him even more. And it all made sense, actually, when I saw him going off about Mommy and Poppy Seed. And I thought, yep, that's exactly what I was kind of thinking. Okay, so Narelle, Shep, and Craig were having their little Manny Petty date. I don't know. What did you think of that? It kind of gave me the ick. And I know it shouldn't, it, but it did. I didn't get the ick from Craig. I got the ick from Shep. Yes. Yes. Okay. So did I. Oh, weird. But you know why? It's because Shep was making jokes or basically saying like, oh, no, you can't put any colors on my toes or my nails because I'm about to go hunting and nobody can see this and nobody can know that I practice good hygiene. Like, shut up, shut. So manly. Such Mm -hmm. a man. Uh, They were discussing the events of the night before and basically whether or not Austin is sucking up with Taylor, which is the theme of this episode. (laughs) Probably the theme of the whole season. Mm. Did you notice they both mentioned that Austin has done that in the past with a lot of their ex-girlfriends? However, Shep references Chelsea when he says that, which is an absolute joke. You haven't gotten to this point in your rewatching Sarah of the earlier no. seasons, but 
Shep and Chelsea were only ever hanging out. And this pretty much overlapped with Austin and Chelsea hanging out. Like there was maybe an overlap of a day or two. I'll give that to Shep. But it was Chelsea who chose to date Austin like more exclusively. She ditched Shep. So I don't think there's any kind of comparison to hold up here. No, and Shep is so competitive. In I'm watching, mm-hmm. I think I'm on season three, the shit he takes up with Craig. He is just so jealous. It is yes. crazy. So it runs deep. There's so much history there, and the competitiveness is intense. So that, that plays a big aspect in this as well. It's less to do with Taylor. It's more to do with winning. Yes. This man literally does not give a fuck about Taylor. It is so apparent until someone else wants her. Of course, pot, meat, kettle. Saying that though, Austin doesn't care about anyone but Austin. And I hope Taylor gets that reality check really soon. So Taylor gets to Austin's and they kind of start talking about the night before. I guess Taylor went out, she had some drinks, and she allegedly met an incredibly attractive man who meets all three of her requirements. And I could not with Taylor's requirements. Three of them. Girl. (laughs) I know. The only things that, you know, you need to check her box with are that you're smart, you're funny, and you love Jesus. Oh, my God. Let's apply that to Shep. (laughs) I'm pretty sure maybe two of those boxes. I don't think Shep loves Jesus. No. 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 So, anyways, Austin hears this, and he's pretending to be totally supportive and interested and not at all jealous or uncomfortable at all. This just seems to me like a ploy to direct our attention away from the two of them being romantic. They're basically being like, see, we're just friends. We talk about guys and girls that we're dating. It's just friends. We're just friends. Mm -hmm. But as they're getting hooked up to the IVs, they start discussing the boys' night and what was said. And I don't know if you saw it, Sarah, but Taylor's side eye when she heard that Shep found out that she spent the night at Austin's. This was the first visual cue that she's hiding something, in my opinion. I definitely saw panic there. And I'm still torn on whether they actually did hook up or not, just because I don't know Taylor at all. It was worry and fear. She was scared. And the instant anger and irritation and defensiveness immediately after. Like she says, she and Austin are single. And can do whatever they want. And that Shep sure did whatever he wanted to do, even though he wasn't single. She says she never told Olivia about the sleepover because she didn't want to make Olivia feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Okay, Taylor, that is a shit thing to do. I don't like Taylor at all. I don't like her. No. I don't like Olivia, though, really, either. I'm going to be curious when you get to the part in Southern Charm where Taylor's introduced for you Mm. to see Taylor at that point. Because she's totally different now. Interesting. Anyways, moving on. Vanita is getting ready. Um, She's going to have it like a get together with the girls. And let me say this. Vanita, she may be boring as fuck. Okay, I'm sorry. But she may be boring as fuck. And literally, I believe she's only here for Bravo to show that they know what diversity means. Yeah. I hate to say that, 
But the fact that she's never really given a a storyline or an opportunity to show who she is, that's just how it reads to me. However, this woman sure can throw a pretty backyard party. I don't even think Vanita is stressed anymore about being on the show for just that reason. Like in the past couple of seasons, we've seen her trying really hard to carve out a place for herself, make a name for herself on the show. Don't get me started on her thinking she's a household name now. But so far this season, she's so cool and just calm, collected. She's just chilling with Charles. She's not pressed the way that she has been in seasons prior. I think she's getting amazing brand deals on the side. She has a great life outside of the show. I kind of think Vinita's just cool getting a paycheck, showing up. I love that for her. Okay, but what about that household name part? What happened? Oh, (laughs) Oh God. Okay. Uh, She was on another podcast and she said something about how she always assumed that she was going to become a household name, Mm -hmm. but that she (laughs) never expected it to happen from a reality TV show or something along those lines. What? What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can 100% confirm I have never heard of this woman ever. That's No, I don't even think Southern Charm, the show, is a household name, let alone the people on it. Totally. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, at least she's, you know, confident. Yeah, that she is. Okay, and what the actual fuck? I need to talk to you about that story about Austin running into Olivia at the bar and how he, like, purposely embarrassed her. Uh, by saying how funny it was running into her and how she was making out with a random guy at the bar. Then he introduced himself to the dude saying, I never took you as a triple A type to Olivia. That was so uncalled for, so dirty. He did her so dirty. But Madison's eyes when she said that, like how wide they got and everyone starts laughing because she points out that that's a trigger for Austin. Anybody dating a baseball guy, huge trigger. I even heard about Madison and Mr. A-Rod himself, and I have never watched Southern Charm, so... So what you're saying is that Madison is a household name. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, But I can imagine for this fragile little ego, this is a big trigger, and I like it. Uh, The ladies really came together here, and I need to know your thoughts on how they kind of took this opportunity to advise Taylor to try and be the bigger person going forward and that Shep's friends can never really be her friends anymore. The best revenge is to do well, basically. But why do I feel like this is falling on deaf ears here? (laughs) This girl wants serious revenge on Shep and I don't think anyone is going to stop her. I think also because she's already slept with Austin. So... Okay. How how do you really live a a good life when you're sleeping with your ex's best friend? That's the exact advice she needs to hear. I hope it doesn't turn out that way. And I hope that Taylor is vindicated and doesn't end up having, you know, slept with Austin. But I, yeah, I think it is falling on deaf ears. I think because she's already going down a path of no return. And Leva thinks Austin should have stepped in to defend Taylor instead of hiding like a little bitch. Those are my words, not hers. But <laughs> During the fight with Craig. And 
I kind of think that would have made them look a little bit more sus if Austin was like rising up to defend Taylor. Everyone's chiming in saying he just can't be trusted. Except Taylor, of course, who says she thinks Austin is actually a really great friend, better than he ever could be in a relationship. And Madison takes that opportunity to say that she low-key thinks Austin is in love with her. Oh my gosh, my jaw dropped when Madison said that. But Taylor wasted no time in shutting that shit down immediately. No, 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 (laughs) no. Then Olivia says that it's cool that they're friends and that there's no part of her that's bothered. (laughs) That's bothered by their friendship. Because obviously she believes Taylor and believes that it really is just friendship. And (laughs) she'll figure that out pretty quick. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. So next, Austin and Rod are meeting for drinks, and Rod confesses to Austin that he went on a date with Olivia, and they made out, and he's, you know, interested in pursuing her. Austin is left absolutely speechless by this with his little Muppet mouth, and they have this great awkward back and forth. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 It was so awkward and so great. I loved it. To his credit, I guess, Austin says he'll do his best to be cool with it because Olivia isn't his property. Mm. But then he makes sure to drop in there that he actually saw Olivia last week making out with some dude at the bar. What a fucking dick, man. Rod was probably at another bar down the street making out with a random woman. (laughs) They aren't exclusively dating at this point. Why did you have to try and plant seeds of doubt in Rod's mind? Oh, I know. Because you do think Olivia is your property. All these dudes think women are their property. It's so ridiculous and outrageous. He's just pissing all over her like a dog. He is. He doesn't give a shit about her either. So, oh. I hope Rod is the hero of the season here because so far I like him a lot. Yeah, I hope he is as cool as he seems so Mm -hmm. far and that we're not being duped. Yeah, like if he's another Charleston boy, I think we're all, we know what to expect. Yeah. Okay, this part killed me. Shep arrives at Olivia's house. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, Shep. Hi, I got a bag full of meat for ya. Raw (laughs) meat in Ziploc bags. And they are still warm, Narelle. Still warm, and there are still feathers on them. And I was gagging. I mean, this woman can't even microwave oatmeal, for God's sake. What is she going to do with peasant? <laughs> I know. I guess it's the thought that counts. But geez, Shep, way to miss the mark. She's like, what do I do with it? Do I put it in the fridge? In the freezer? I don't, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. In the microwave? Do I just put it in the microwave? I'll set it to oatmeal. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Scorched earth, pheasant, breast. But, I mean, obviously the meat was just an excuse. It's like a trade-off for information on Taylor. So they go and they sit down on the couch together. They're discussing the conversation from Guy's Night with JT and Austin. I gotta say, all I was thinking is that this man was just out there hunting pheasant and carrying around raw meat. And he didn't even get changed. He came over to your house and he's sitting down on your white couch. I would be like, oh, dude. here's a towel to sit on, maybe. <laughs> Not only is he hunting, Narelle, he's fishing. 
to see what Olivia knows and if she thinks Taylor and Austin actually are hooking Ooh, up. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Olivia thinks Taylor would have told her, of course, because they're best friends. <laughs> but Shep said Austin was totally tongue-tied over it and it's ringing alarm bells for him. And they both express how absolutely disgusted they would be to find out that something like this has happened. I'm glad Olivia doesn't care about the Austin factor in this and could potentially only get hurt by one of these ding-dongs. I have a feeling it's going to end up her being hurt by both of these ding-dongs, but I agree. I'm glad that it's more focused on Taylor because mm-hmm. that's where it belongs. She decides to ask Taylor to meet for coffee next, and she's going to try to dig a little bit deeper into this whole thing. Obviously, Shep has set off some alarm bells for Olivia as well. So when she shows up to the coffee shop, Taylor's on the phone with Craig, who has accepted Taylor's olive branch with just tons of enthusiasm. (laughs) But he did agree to attend Taylor's event, I think, the next night or in the coming future so that they can hug it out and get over that little fight that they had. So Olivia has shown up. And okay, wait, by the way, I needed to ask you, are we obsessed with Taylor's sweater or do we hate it? The yellow one with like the fringe. I, from a distance, I'm like, oh, that looks cute. And then as it got closer, I thought, no, mm -mm, I don't think I like it. I'm so confused. I hate it and I love it at the same time. Uh, Yes, I, (laughs) maybe the color, the color, I'm not sure. I have very strange feelings about that sweater. It was bold. I think that's why I'm very attracted to it. Yeah, yes. (laughs) So getting right into it, Olivia says she spoke to Shep and he seemed really rattled by the idea that something might be going on between her and Austin. She did not waste any time getting into it. And Taylor, it's written all over her face. She is nervous. She's freaking. She says that nothing is going on. And says, hand to Bible, hand to... We all know how she feels about a Bible, honey. She swears nothing is happening. But Olivia perseveres a little more and asks her why Austin seems so tongue-tied about it all. And Taylor says, well, to be completely honest, after the reunion in New York, they really bonded over their brokenness and their similar situations. So Taylor asked him if it was something they should explore. Is it something they're meant to explore? But neither of them knew. Oh my gosh, that was such a weird statement. Is it something we're meant to explore? Like this is serendipitous. Mm. When Olivia looks away and tries to gather her thoughts, you can visibly see their friendship changing forever right in that moment. Or at least Olivia's idea about their friendship. She's crushed of course who wouldn't be she's crushed she's confused and in that moment you can see she really does want to believe taylor but i don't think she does and like i said before not knowing taylor at all i did find her quite convincing i did not find her quite convincing the point for me where i kind of instinctively know something must have happened was when they started talking or when Taylor said that the families were called that they called their family like that's serious oh yeah Taylor said she was being a good friend by not telling 
Olivia about it because Olivia had so much going on in her life, and she did. However, Taylor did not hide and cover up the truth for Olivia's benefit. She did it for Taylor's own benefit. Like, she's not being thoughtful by not telling her best friend about this. that's bullshit. And Olivia says, if it was to the point where you're talking to your family about it, then I should have already known about it. And that is, in itself, true. There's no denying that. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And the fact Austin spoke to his family about it. Yeah, that's huge. Olivia is not being swayed and Taylor can see it. So she does become pretty tearful. She doesn't ever want to feel like she betrayed Olivia's trust, which is why she's covering it up. So she doesn't have to feel it. (laughs) She's still going to do it. She just doesn't want to think about it for too long. (laughs) Taylor is not really showing much growth of character. She seems to be sliding backwards a little bit. And breakups can do that to you. You do go a little bit crazy sometimes and off the rails. But preferably you're hurting yourself and not the people around you. And she's hurting the people around her. Bingo. So Olivia just asks her straight up, did anything happen that made you guys go from brother and sister to wondering if there could be more? And here is the point I think we're going to come back to time and time again in the season. Taylor swears on her life that nothing happened, not even a drunken kiss. Because I think Taylor's lying here, and I think this is going to come back to bite her in the butt. We see them leave, and as Olivia gets into her car, she breaks down. And I have to be 100% honest here. I've always thought her and Austin had a fake relationship. I know I've referenced it as a showmance and... I've told you all along that it was a fake romance on this podcast. This was the first time I actually had to take a step back and say, maybe it was a little bit more serious than I thought. Olivia looks legitimately devastated to find out that Taylor has done this behind her back. And I don't think she would be feeling quite this deeply if her feelings for Austin weren't also real. Yeah, she looked visibly devastated. And I obviously haven't seen them, her and Austin together, but she did. She looked like a heartbroken person. And at Mm -hmm. this point, to me, it was still more about Taylor. But you're right. You're right. Why would you be upset over someone you don't give zero fucks about? Austin just has this grip on women, I think, you know? It definitely is more about Taylor. But again, I thought that friendship was fake too. So I just right. haven't been giving Olivia as much credit as I should have been. So I will own up to that now. That's fair. Look what tears will do for me. I just believe everybody's tears. <laughs> except Taylor's. <laughs> oh my god. She is a weird cookie. Yeah, she sure is. That is the end of Southern Charm for this week. Good episode. I like the show. Yeah, it was pretty good. Not not too much boring details, boring filler in there. Well, speaking of boring, do you want to go over to uh, New York? <laughs> speaking of boring filler, let's go over. <laughs> All right, I have to say, 
this was actually one of my favorite episodes. So season 14, episode 12, well healed. Really? Yeah, just because, I don't know, there's there's always so much that goes on in this show, but nothing at all. And we've said it a million times, but this one just kind of seemed a little less showy, I suppose. Mm, I did really love the scene with Jenna and Bryn at the bar. Mm-hmm. That was a whole different side to Jenna. Yes, it so I was. Loved, I love that aspect of this episode for sure. They, they met up and at first I kind of thought they were on a date at a gay bar. <laughs> at a gay bar. I kind of thought the same thing. And that was quite the hug between the two of them. Jenna like shivered into it. It was like a deep shiver. Yes. And Bryn's teasing of Jenna was amped up to the max this episode. Like she said, Bryn said, I am ready to go home with anybody. And Jenna says, hanging with Bryn in this environment is awesome for her because the girl has game. And she's just, she's just too, she's just too shy to pick anyone up on her own. I died when Bryn whips out gloves and puts them on and says, I'm ready to finger bang someone, Jenna. Jenna can't handle it, but she loves this wild side of Bryn. Bryn also explains basically that she's fluid. Yeah, but when she puts the gloves on and she's like, I'm ready to finger bang, Jenna was like, no, you're not. You would hurt someone. (laughs) She's basically saying if you've ever finger banged anybody before in your life, you would know that, but you Mm. don't. And later on in this uh, scene, she says something about how Bryn is very straight. I noticed that. Right? So I think she sees through a lot of Bryn's flirtations. Yeah, she's smart. But Jenna got hit on by a total hottie named Katie. And Bryn brokered the number exchange between the two of them, I guess, with like a little bit more flirtatious talk. But let's be real. I think it was the camera filming Bryn and Jenna, which is what brokered (laughs) the number exchange because Katie beelined right over to Jenna out of nowhere. Yeah, Katie knows what's up, man. I have to say, the more I watch Bryn and Jenna together, because I had to watch this scene approximately four times to take take it all in, the less cringy it is. And the more I think it's actually kind of a beautiful, supportive friendship in a weird, messy way. But I, I do kind of feel like Jenna needs a Bryn in her life. Okay, prepare yourself, because incoming Narelle theory and rant. I'm not so sure about that. The point where she interrupts them, like, I think I saw irritation on Katie's face. Because when Bryn suggests that she be the go-between, so Katie could call her tomorrow, so that Bryn could pass the number on to Jenna, Katie mouths the words, holy shit. But not in a, like, holy shit. It was like, holy shit, you're annoying. And then we cut to Katie writing her number directly on Jenna's arm instead, and Bryn is nowhere to be seen. I think they told her to get lost. (sighs) I think Bryn tried way too hard to be included, and that makes for a bad wing woman. Yeah. And to further my theory here, she took a picture of the number on Jenna's arm for no reason, citing that she was doing that for Jenna's benefit. So when it got smudged the next morning, like Jenna would still have the number, but it wouldn't get smudged because Jenna is sober and it was a Sharpie. So it's not going to smudge. 
I think Bryn was being sneaky, and Bryn wanted Katie, and Bryn wanted Katie's phone number. That's a bad wing woman. Oh, damn. That is quite a theory. I did notice when Katie came up to the table, Bryn's like, you have a mole? And she gets her face right in. She's like, I have one here, I think. Hi. Hi, Katie. Like, as close as could be. And I thought... That's not wing woman That That is quite au contraire. That's attention-y. Yeah, that's icky. Yes, it is. I did hear Shep has contacted Bryn. Have you heard this? Yeah, not just contacted. They've like, I think they've hooked up. Shut up. Yeah, um, there's, ugh, forget what it is. Don't quote me, people, but there's some, some point in this in one of the earlier episodes where there's like a sweater like Bryn like wore his sweater on TV or something oh. like that or okay something to do with Shep's sweater hmm. okay interesting well and at the end of this bar scene in a very odd turn of events Jenna gets up on stage and pretends to strip and gives someone a lap dance that someone was Bryn I loved seeing her on stage like that, like confident, comfortable. This is a side of Jenna we don't get to see very often, probably because she was in more of a comfortable zone and not yeah. like in Anguilla with a bunch of angry women. Jesus. And one-on-one with just one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of totally. the negative Nellies over there. Yeah. Hey, don't use my nickname oh. as an insult <laughs> like that. Negative Nancy's, Okay. <laughs> better it's better so then we have aaron Sai, abe and david and they're going on a double date we start this meeting of the minds off Norel, by the women talking about how starving they are of course <laughs> mm. i'm not i'm not even gonna go there let's just get past that aaron and Sai fill the men in on how bryn sent povet a dirty text from jessel's phone with her permission of course saying i'm wet Povit replies with, you should really get a towel and dry off, which was hilarious. And I loved it. And I just thought, couldn't you come up with anything better than I'm wet? Like, come on. It was Bryn that did that, right? Yeah. Bryn wrote it. I just, It was Bryn, of course. And then Aaron asks the dudes, if their wives didn't have sex with them for a year and a half, what would happen? And without any hesitation, Abe says he'd fuck other women. They all erupt in laughter, but my jaw dropped. Erin acts like she's really surprised by this while looking around the table at Cy and David. And then she's kind of pretending to like jokingly reprimand him. But she should have been horrified, in my opinion. Like, honestly, don't get sick, Erin. Don't go away on an extended business trip. Don't have twins. Exactly. We never established what the actual cutoff is. Just that a year and a half is too long. Maybe Abe would do it after six months. Who knows? Yeah, that whole scene, this whole scene, there's a lot to talk about here. But wow, Abe, nice. The way she was laughing about it, she knows that this is absolutely true. But she was coming off like, oh my God, Abe, stop, Abe. Ha ha ha, Abe. Well, fuck you, Aaron. You stupid bitch. So David, who I thought was Mr. Wonderful, says his answer was the relationship would probably be over, which, okay, I understand. 
But I wish David would have shown some of that empathy for Jessel that he has shown us before to these two clowns. Oh, my God. I could not even believe this was the same man that we were praising for being so empathetic. It is a better answer, for sure. He's not actually saying I'd kick her to the curb. He's saying the relationship would probably be over, which it probably would be. But how about maybe pointing out that y'all shouldn't be talking so flippantly about Jessel and Pavit's sex life when they aren't also there and that you guys are being filmed doing it? That's just, that's fucking gross. At least we can rest assured that Jessel's watching this episode and she's adding it to the list. She's over there. She's taking notes. She's writing down names. <laughs> Love my girl, Jessel. I know. <laughs> then Aaron says she would have sex with another man as well, which is exactly what she half-ass got annoyed with Abe for saying. What the fuck? You can't have it both ways, Aaron. Dude, what is happening? But okay, wait, we find out. Because then this leads us into... Aaron and Abe talking about their desire to be swingers. But like 10 years from now, they talk about the rules that they would implement, like that Abe would watch Aaron have sex with another dude if Abe could have a threesome with two women, but no friends, no friends. And he would want it all to happen next to each other in the same room. And then Aaron says something like her solution was having sex with like, gay man and i'm pretty sure that's not how things work aaron it was just weird (laughs) the whole thing was strange the fuck aaron thinking she could just have sex with a gay man and that that gay (laughs) man would be totally up for it unintended that's just really aaron i have to admit i did not see this coming from the woman who didn't know what wop meant Honestly, the more I think about it, the more I think Aaron and Sai are obsessed with Jessel and her lack of sex life because they're both keenly aware that their own husbands would leave them for that behavior. Mm-hmm. The fact that Pavit doesn't seem to mind and is just staying with Jessel anyways, I think it drives them nuts. It's jealousy. And don't get me started on all the fucking rumors out there right now about Sai and David. Oh, what rumors? Um, that first of all, Sai met him. I love how I'm like, don't get me started. Sorry. Okay. No. And then, <laughs> no, I need to get you started. <laughs> no, but then I just automatically go right into it. <laughs> Obviously, I wanted to be started. So Sai met David while she was working at that bar in New York and basically like snatched him away from his wife. Oh. And I believe that their enti- like their relationship started with an affair. Ah. And also she says that they've been married for 14 years. Uh-huh. But her marriage license started in 2017. What? That's yeah. 6 years. Oh. Okay. So there's some weirdness going on there with little Miss Sai, little Miss you know, judgmental about everybody else's marriage. They're Jeez. usually the ones that are hiding the most. Yeah, I like your theory a lot. And I think you have nailed it. Jealousy to the max here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we do get a little Uba this episode, which I loved. And she's planning a healing event that was inspired by the incident, the phone incident in Anguilla. <laughs> Color me bored, though, baby, because she wants a deeper level of healing for these women. 
don't care. Oh that my is God. never going to happen. No. I wonder if Uba and Sheree would bond over all this healing. <laughs> Lucky for Bryn, she has COVID and got to miss out on this healing event. Seriously. They all show up. They sit down. They state their intentions. It's all kind of the standard straight out of the box. Healing housewife answers. Then there's chanting. There's drumming. There's shaking. Okay. All right. No, hold on. The drumming and shaking, that was new. That was not. I have not seen that in a sound bath or a healing event so far. But I mean, <laughs> these little events that they do, these little, I don't know. I find them boring. They're, it's filler. It's so ridiculous. All I can think about is I'm pretty sure it was Shannon in the in the bong when Kelly Dodd. I'm almost positive this happened. Kelly Dodd hit the bong right next to Shannon's head and Shannon had to go to the hospital. Stop it. Holy fuck, I need to rewatch that. As soon as I saw the bong, I don't know what it's called. I was laughing because I thought, that's what I want to watch right now. Laughing and crying. (laughs) So there's a whole lot more drumming and releasing. And guess what? Narelle Sai doesn't like it, of course, because she's totally fine. Everything's fine with her. She's fine. She's perfect. She's good. Uh, Uba, on the other hand, did start crying during the session. But I kind of think it was because it was her event and she felt obligated to. And yeah, it's fine. We're all fine. Not Sai. No, not Sai. Fucking saying she doesn't need to be healed because she's fine. <laughs> My God, lady. She probably needs the most healing out of any of them. Agreed. She's delusional. The food arrives. Jessel, like, she nonchalantly asked Sai at this point, can we meet for lunch to talk and have a chat? And then she tells the group she's having a staycation with Pavit. And of course... Immediately, Aaron asks if she's going to have sex. Well, no shit, Aaron. Also, shut up about it, Aaron. I'm happy for Jessel because she does seem to be legitimately excited, but I'm also feeling a little bit bad for her because I'm sure she feels socially pressured into showing all of this now on camera to prove that her marriage is okay. That is so the vibe I get. 100% yes yes I wish I wish she didn't have to do that or I wish she didn't feel pressured to do that so Jessel and Pavit are gonna have sex and I understand that it can be hard to jump into that after such a mm, dry spell you know they're having champagne they're planning the lingerie who's gonna be where it's I don't know it's uncomfortable it's it's unfortunate and I don't like it because when we see Jessel like getting on top of Pavit and kind of play acting, like grinding him, it almost felt like she was role playing as Bryn, maybe Ew. in an effort to try and feel like a, a little bit less awkward. I'm seeing lots of planning, lots of communication, but I'm not seeing very much foreplay or excitement. But at this point, you know what? Maybe that is what ripping the bandaid off looks like. Yeah, it was a bunch of cringe happening over on my couch when that was on TV. And I, I'm not going to judge Pavit on his response to this because I cannot imagine how weird it would be to do this in front of the cameras. But I will say Jessel looked hot AF in the lingerie. She looked beautiful. Lucky Pavit. Oh my God. For real. She looked amazing in it. I just wish she would have saved it for just him. 
though. Like yeah. later on, you know? Yes. Surprise. Moving on from all of that, uh, Sai and Jessel, they meet for lunch. And Sai is 20 minutes late. And then Jessel is another 20 minutes late. Jessel's very apologetic, but Sai is livid. She'll hardly look at Jessel. She's just focusing on the food instead. I freaking hate slash love that she never admitted to the fact that she was also late <laughs> and that she also never bothered to call Jessel. Instead, she's just like taking it as such a slight from Jessel. And I'm like, girl, you're half as bad at least. Yeah, my girl math is telling me that technically they're both on time at this point. So, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I The thing is, Sai was trying to piss Jessel off by being late. And then Jessel's like, sorry. <laughs> oh, I wonder. I'm almost yeah. sure. So Jessel does her best to try to break the ice and tell Sai her and Pavit did the deed last night. And then Sai doesn't believe her. She doesn't believe her. Wow. And then she focuses in on the fact Pava is going to Vietnam and how weird that is. She's so negative. Dude, at this point, Jessel is literally going to need to have sex with Pava in front of everybody. Because yeah. nothing else is ever going to suffice. Also, mileage runs are a real thing. Tons of people do that to maintain their status with airlines. So it's not really that weird. And Pavit is a foodie. His whole going to Vietnam thing to maintain his status, I believe that. So basically, Sai, shut the fuck up, okay? God. So Jessel brings up Anguilla and the fact that it seemed as if Sai thought she was trying to compare to the struggles that Sai went through growing up. And Jessel said that was never her intent, okay? She wants to apologize. And instead, she's met with Sai saying, Jessel, I gotta be honest with you, I don't really care. Oh my gosh, the most Sai thing to do and how to respond. It was so cold and callous. Sai then goes on to say, I wasn't offended. I'm not offended. She's clearly offended, okay? Jessel, you should have just called me for this. I can't believe you drugged me out of my house for this. Jessel explains she's nervous, sharing in this group of women. And Sai says, you just have to own your stuff and not jump around the issue. Does Jessel not own her stuff? Does Jessel really jump around the issue? I'm not seeing what Sai is seeing. Sai is such a cow. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I, I fucking hate her. She lost her fucking mind. She was so offended. Over this whole thing in Anguilla, she was screaming at Jessel. You do not get to display that level of anger towards somebody and then not have to pick up the pieces afterwards. It doesn't work that way, babe. You sure cared enough in the moment to make a huge deal. Wow, she's she's awful. She is the worst. Jessel tells Sai her uncle that she lived with was an alcoholic, and she kind of compares this to Sai's mom. I don't think Jessel's doing it in a way to say... I went through the same thing as you did, Sai. She's just doing it in a way to try and connect with Sai. Jessel explains it's hard for her to openly talk about deep stuff like this, and it feels as if Sai and Aaron were like vultures. Whenever she tries to do this, they just attack her. And they do. They do every single time. And Sai is doing it again. 
It's so clear to me. Sai doesn't like Jessel. Period. We get it. She has zero desire to learn about Jessel. And when she does learn about Jessel, she says it's not true. She didn't want to be at the lunch. She doesn't want to connect with Jessel. She just wants to crawl up Aaron's ass. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. Yep. I'm over it. I'm over Sai. I'm over it too. That was the end of the episode. And I was like, hella friggin' Louia. That was the end of Sai having any chance in my heart. Yeah. And I have seen a lot of comments on TikTok and Twitter and people do not like Sai. And they don't like Aaron. And they think they're mean girls. And I think, if anything, the reunion will be interesting because I do think Andy has to mm. address this big time. Absolutely. They're mean girls, but they it's like in a flat way. There's no other aspect to them to counterbalance the meanness. So it's just boring. Yeah. And they're doing it from a place of true anger. There's not anything there emotionally connecting them to Jessel. And jealousy. Yeah. True anger and jealousy. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no kindness towards Jessel. And she is the fan fave from what I'm seeing. So ha, her and Jenna and Bryn are really coming coming to the top. And Uba, I'm sure everyone loves Uba, but she's just not much of a character. No, Uba hasn't had any growth. She was my favorite from the beginning, but Bryn, not a big fan of Bryn myself. I still like Jenna, but Jessel is probably my very top for this franchise, which is wild because she was the bottom at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I love her, and I could see her on any Housewife franchise, honestly. Mm -hmm. She's got what it takes, and I think she's probably the only one. I do think Aaron could get there, uh, despite me not enjoying Aaron this season, but she is probably going to be a good Housewife in the future. We'll see. Yes, we will. Well, that is the end of New York for this week. Yes. Let's go over to Salt Lake City, baby. Oh, I'm ready for it. Salt Lake City, Season 4, Episode 5, The Nastiness and Rumors. Rumors. That's how you should have said it. The Nastiness and Rumors. The Nastiness and Rumors. Well, we have finally found out what the big rumor is about Angie's husband. Let's get into it, Narelle. <laughs> I can't wait. This is too much. Lisa and Meredith meet and get facials. They have really resumed their friendship. They're jumping right back in. And boy, are they really getting deep. And when I say deep, I mean deep into their goddamn pores. The photos they take before their facials were horrifying. All that tanning Lisa has done in the past has really caught up with her because she looks like a Dia Los Muertos doll. Oh God, this is her face, okay? Her famous precious face. The fact <laughs> that this woman takes off her makeup on TV a few days after that blow up. Is, that's just so Lisa. So Lisa. So was the story that she told about being banned from the tanning salon because she refused to leave when she showed up late one night and they were like, sorry, we're closing. And she was like, let me tan. Let me tan. And they boycotted <laughs> her. They banned her. I love And it. her husband. And honey, based on this face scan, 
they did you a favor. Like, no more sun for you. Lisa is planning an après soiree, no ski. And Lisa reluctantly says that she is going to invite Monica. Mm-hmm. Monica and Whitney are meeting up for lunch. And Monica feels because Lisa has invited her to the event, they're good. They're fine. They're cool. And Whitney <laughs> is kind of laughing, but not really. She quickly corrects her. And she's like, you're probably gonna need to clear the air with Lisa because if anyone knows what it's like to be on Lisa's bad side it's Whitney and then Whitney tells Monica you know I gotta say Monica I got red flags from your behavior on our trip you were just going after Lisa and Angie and and sucking up to Heather and Meredith I kind of thought it was cool that Whitney did that because I think both she and Monica are the type of women to respond well to someone being upfront and honest. I don't know though if Monica was quite honest about her own motivations like her explanation that she didn't condone Angie's words about Meredith's business etc. Okay cool but if my memory serves you were also petting Meredith's hair and being like you were fawning all over her i think whitney is right when she called you out for kissing meredith's butt a little bit maybe that's how she became friends with jen shaw too like by ingratiating herself so i think whitney's right monica should be a little bit more careful about who she tries to cozy up to she really should and i think eventually (laughs) probably sooner than later she will get burned and then mm-hmm. her and Whitney can kind of bond. I, I gotta say, I don't know if you noticed this, Narelle. I'm sure I'm sure you did. But what does Whitney want out of her husband? She buys Justin a Superman cake for going back to work, and then with the same in the same breath, she shits on him for going back to work because the kids need him. I am so confused by her. She she's so cute. She's so cute, but I'm just like Whitney girl, yeah, I was with Justin on this one. Okay, because I kind of understood what she was saying and where she was coming from. Going from being the stay-at-home parent, this is her husband I'm talking about, to totally disconnecting as soon as it goes back to work full-time. For me, it was in the moment when she said something about like dropping, or he said, I'm not going to be able to drop I'm going to miss dropping the kids off at school. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're, you're still going to be dropping the kids off at school. And he said, oh, well, I mean, I guess I just won't be picking them up then. Like, I would be annoyed, I think, if my husband thought he was just going to go back to work and dump all of the, the child's duties on my lap. My opinion is based on my understanding that she's working similar hours to him, which if she isn't, I would change my opinion. But I'm siding with Whitney. I do see. I saw it. I was like, that's not cool. Yeah, I get what you mean. But on the other hand, as someone who works and has to drop off their kid, my hours have to be changed completely to do that. And he is starting a new job. So it's like, that doesn't look good and surely they can afford to hire someone to drop their kids off 
that was the thing. I think they should, you know, probably be a little bit more transparent that they can hire help for that. Yes. But he is going back into a position. I don't think it's just like a new job. Like he's going to be in a very, very high. Yeah. High, high end, powerful. Yeah. Position where I think he'll have more flexibility there. I don't know. I just saw the mind shift that she was talking about and I would have been annoyed at that. But I don't really know how much she works. So that yes, yes, it's true. It just kind of hit me the wrong way. Because as he said, well, you know, I am going back to work. And it's hard to juggle. And I get that. And I definitely understand what Whitney's saying. But they're they need to be a little more communicative. Definitely. Um, I think that's a big problem between the two of them. <laughs> So we get a peek into Angie's home life with her family. Her husband just left to go upstairs after it was the daughter's bedtime. So their entire lives seem to just revolve around Electra, the daughter. I'm getting the feeling there is a big lack of intimacy going on here. Because Angie also tells us that verbatim, this is very big foreshadowing for what happens at the end of this episode. But we also get a glimpse into Heather's family situation. She's taking her kids out of school for the day to kind of hit the slopes, have a little bit of a mommy-daughter day. Oh, my God. I just said mommy. What the fuck? Mommy. Poppy seed. (laughs) They touched base on how Heather's book has been causing the other kids to bully her girls a bit. I don't know if she's overthinking it or if the kids are minimizing it. Because they don't really seem to be that bothered. Honestly, it is difficult to imagine going through high school with a housewife as a mother. I would be embarrassed, but I would also probably be a little bit proud. Yeah, I'm with you on that. They didn't seem that bothered by it. I hope it's not as bad as Heather is making it seem. Yeah, same. I get it. The Mormon thing is a big deal. And I don't understand it, but I can imagine kids are cruel. Anyway, it's Lisa's soiree, and I know Narelle is very excited about Angie's Star Trek visor she's sporting. Oh my god. <laughs> Listen, I'm really trying not to find every single thing that Angie does annoying, but I'm failing. <laughs> she is a character, I will say that. Lisa wastes no time to confront Monica about calling her materialistic and calling her a piece of shit in Portuguese. Lisa tells her to read the room, Monica. Everyone here is materialistic. There's nothing wrong with being materialistic. Lisa says to Monica, and I was crying laughing, My philosophy is, I work hard so I can have everything I want. If you want to judge me, then you have to judge everyone in this room. I, <laughs> I really see both <laughs> sides to this argument, to be honest. I really, really do. Lisa should not have to apologize for being rich and fancy, but I absolutely see how bloody annoying it would be to hear my loaded friend mm. constantly complain about her wealthy troubles. Mo money, mo problems, girl. <laughs> Can I just say... How much I loved watching them fight this out 
while carrying those giant crepes with whipped cream around with (laughs) them. They're like gesturing and gesticulating, flinging fingers, all the while minding these giant crepes on plates. It was amazing. It was so Salt Lake. (laughs) I think Monica is drawing a lot of her irritation towards Lisa from experiences that she's had with Lisa in the past. Yeah. Like the whole Snoop Dogg thing. Lisa denies it. She totally denies it. And then out of nowhere, Heather's like... I've partied with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. I know what Monica's feeling, though, with Lisa in particular, that irritation of somebody who almost makes their materialism their whole life, like their whole personality is about they've got the best of everything. It's their favorite thing to talk about. That shit's annoying and it's shallow. But coming at Lisa like this, serves no purpose whatsoever other than throwing yourself right into the deep end on your first season. Honestly, I kind of applaud her for going this hard right off the bat for no reason at all because it is making a spot for herself and a name for herself. Like we are all watching to see what Monica is going to do next. I mean, I know I am. For sure. And then little Miss Mary, quite contrary, wanders (laughs) into the middle of this chaos She's already thinking of turning around, walking right back out. Because <laughs> Monica is in the deep end of the housewife pool, and Mary's not even in the pool. Like, she's literally in the parking lot. <laughs> and she has definitely left her bathing suit at home. Oh, yeah. Mary. She was really something. So Mary's sitting there all bug-eyed, watching things escalate. But she also doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Lisa says to Monica, Guess what? You're at my party, so eat the fabulous stuff I worked hard for. And Angie, your favorite, then attempts to shove food in Monica's face to silence her. Yikes. Monica warns Angie, coming for her is like opening Pandora's box, girl. Lisa then starts sticking her fingers in Monica's face, shouting, That's rude! That's rude! Okay, but shoving food in somebody's face, that's totally cool. (laughs) Hey, Lisa. Lisa and Monica sit down to squash their beef after that, and then without much squashing of anything done at all, they just decide they're fine. It's totally cool. (laughs) So funny! Bizarre! I know. In her confessional, Lisa says that calling her materialistic is stupid. Because they just have different interests. And her interests, they're more expensive. (laughs) Okay, Lisa. Also, did you catch the conversation between Mary and Monica? When Mary's judging her for eating a crepe at a fucking crepe party and warns Monica not to eat her life away. Honey, not health advice coming from the queen of McFish burgers. (laughs) But Mary's meanness... It attracts Monica like a fluff, a fluff to a, <laughs> to a meme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like a moth to a flame. Actually, maybe that's why she's aiming for Meredith too. She likes mean people. Oh, Monica is definitely drawn to mean people and it's something to do with self self-worth i imagine Mm. uh definitely noticed mary shaming monica for eating food and i didn't even think of the mcdonald's binge (laughs) (laughs) i wish i had (laughs) yeah mary's such a bitch (laughs) i love it though 
So then we have Whitney, and she's got a lot to talk about. So she pulls Monica to the side and says, So, I told you, Meredith made a threat about Ange. For the love of God, Whitney, spit it out! Do you talk slower than me, for Pete's sake? God. (laughs) If this was going on behind my back... I would want to know what it is. What is the rumor? I need to know. Whitney claims she doesn't know the rumor. But don't worry. Monica has the details. And she knows that, well, Whitney is lying. Because she says, oh, well, that's kind of strange because everyone knows. Oh, and does Monica ever know? She spills it. Rumor has it that Angie and her husband have an arrangement. Their marriage is completely fake, and her hubby is entangled with another man. Whitney is shocked, shocked and surprised. (laughs) Or she's lying. We don't know. But she does think that Angie needs to know this. I mean, Whitney did make a good point that Meredith using this against Sean, Angie's husband, is pretty fucking cringe and hypocritical, considering Meredith is so highly associated with Glad, and of course because of mm. Brooks, it's uh, it's pretty pretty bad, pretty bad. That is such a good point, and so valid, and so cringy. So score one for Whitney on that. Angie happens to wander up at this moment, and Whitney and Monica decide now's the time at this party to tell her. That Meredith has been saying that Sean's boyfriends are out on the streets talking about her husband. It's always at the parties. It's always got to go down. (laughs) They tell her and Angie's hand just flies up to her chest in disbelief. And then she immediately gets up. She goes over to Meredith and she's, you know, she's going to confront her. But we have to wait until next week to find out. I don't know, Sarah. I don't quite buy Angie's reaction. It felt a little bit practiced. Either she's already heard the rumor and she's prepared for it, or mm. she knows it's true. I've never gone through something like this myself, but if I look deep down inside of my soul and inside of my heart, and I imagine what my reaction would be to news like this, like if, you know, my husband that I knew, like that I knew that the, the news was absolutely untrue, I think I would burst out laughing. <laughs> Like, how would you react if it was someone telling you that about Troy? Honestly, I think for me, it depends who would say it. Who would, you know, if it was someone like Meredith, who I already have beef with, who I know is out to get me, I would probably be pissed. If it Mm -hmm. was someone ridiculous who I don't really care about, I would, I would laugh. What if I told you? If you told me? I would, oh my god, you would actually think it's true. I'd be shocked. I, I've, yes, I, I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I promise never to do that. <laughs> as long as I don't hear about Troy's boyfriends out in the street. <laughs> the streets are talking. In which case, I'm coming right for you. <laughs> Please. Uh, poor Ange. Poor Ange. Poor Sean, really. If it's not true, that is a nasty thing. To spread, and we've had this so many times on Housewives, the gay husband rumor. Hello, Harry. Yeah. What's what's his last not Lisa Rinna, Harry uh Oh Harry. How can we forget? She says it all the how time. She we... introduces him. It's gone. 
one season. She hasn't even been off this season and it's gone. I want to say hair. No, that's wrong. Hair. I'm just going to Google it. Please. Now it's bugging me. Then with the power of editing, I will delete the pause. Harry and Lisa Rinna. (laughs) Hamlin. Harry Hamlin. Hamlin. Yes. Okay. Like Harry Hamlin. We have heard this so many times. Pretty sure those rumors are true too. Well, it could be. I mean, and it could be true, but I just want to know one time. I want to know if it's true. All we do know for sure, though, is that there is tr- trouble in the Angie mm. Sean household. The marriage is not marriaging. Marriaging. <laughs> the marriage is not marriaging. I will say. As a a mother of an only child, it is such a strange thing that happens. Like, they are your life, and you're their life, and it is a lot of work to Mm -hmm. make that relationship with your husband work and carry on, because it is easy to become absolutely obsessed and give all of your affection and attention to your child. I don't know. I can imagine. I can imagine that. Yeah. I I just I want answers this time. But I just I don't like Angie. So Fair. I am willing to believe that she would hide something like this. I love her. I I mean I don't lo- like her Why? as a person. I don't know. I think she is hilarious. There's something about her. I'm drawn to her for some reason. I know she's horrible. I don't care. I like I'm always the underdog. How can you and I be so alike? <laughs> while also having such different taste in housewives and I know. <laughs> I know. It is strange. Like, I would choose Angie over Meredith any day. Um, If I was in a situation where I had to choose between two of them for some reason, because I don't like either of them, I would definitely choose Meredith <laughs> to spend time with. I mean, like, okay, here's the question. If I had to, like, fly home with somebody and there was a seat beside Angie or a seat beside Meredith, I would be sitting beside Meredith. No questions <laughs> asked. Well, depends whether she's had her special K or not, Norell. True. <laughs> and whether she's willing to share it with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. that's it for Salt Lake. And now we have OC Reunion Part 1. Let's head over. <laughs> So it's season 17, episode 17, Reunion Part 1 for Real Housewives of Orange County. We made it, you guys. We made it. We're here. Part 1. What was your impression, Sarah? Did you like the set and like the dresses? Oh my gosh, I loved the set. Even Troy came into the room. He's like, whoa, that looks cool. Whoa. I know. I know. And he does not watch Housewives, but he thought that looked really nice. And so did I. The dresses I did not care as much for. I thought if Heather's dress was a different color, not black, more so to match the Mm. theme, I would absolutely love her look. I think Emily looked beautiful, but I always think Emily looks beautiful. And I think Tamara looked good for the theme. Shannon, Gina, and Jen in particular. 
weren't my faves. They're all very beautiful women. Just was not feeling, not not jiving. I wasn't really feeling anybody's dress. I probably liked Taylor's the best, honestly. Mm, Taylor's was cool. It was cool. I loved her shoes. Yeah, I loved her shoes too. And the set, I know I texted you because this is so embarrassing, (laughs) but I thought, I thought they were actually going to be on the beach. (laughs) Which, as I'm saying it out loud, makes no sense because you cannot have sound on a beach. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like our podcast. Yeah, exactly. In the preview for the reunion, when they revealed the beach, I was like, oh my God, they're on the beach. So I was, I was quite dismayed to find out that it's still, you know, it was a green screen. Oh my God. Hopefully I'm not the only one that, you know, is that stupid. But anyways, <laughs> I guess the main point of interest in the entire finale that I'm excited to talk to you about was the argument between Gina and Shannon. It was probably the most heated, the most emotionally vulnerable raw part of the entire reunion the other parts felt a little bit more run-of-the-mill in my opinion like kind of low stakes nobody really seemed all that invested maybe it was just me we'll get into that in a little bit but let's start things off here with the flashbacks of Tamara from the start of the season back when I was overwhelmed by how loud and chaotic Tamara was having never met her before or seen her before And you were telling me to give her a chance because her chaos can be gold sometimes. I want to know how you feel now about her performance this season, so to speak, because I know she's one of your favorite OGs. Oh, I really felt this was an awful season for Tamara. There's no doubt. I cannot deny it. And I cannot defend her behavior. But imagine this season without her. Yeah. Like, what would it be? I know it was way too much, but I feel like if we didn't have her, it would be all yoga and meditation and Gina, so much Gina. I don't know. I kind of enjoyed her, but I liked her more with Vicky and Shannon. Mm. I really appreciated Heather calling out Tamara respectfully at the reunion about trying to bring her down. To me, Tamara is very clearly traumatized about being put on pause It has changed her big time. And I think she now feels it is imperative to overperform, to keep her spot on the show. The desperation is just seeping from her pores at times. Mm. Most of the time. It's really hard to watch, actually. That's probably exactly what is happening. I remember the beginning of the season. It was just too much. Tamara was too much. I could not get on board with Tamara. But then in the middle of the season, I started to come around to her and I started to see, yes, you know what? She is actually integral to moving the plot along and to stirring the drama. I loved Tamara in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, I started to lose it again. She's just a little bit too much again. And I think that's why I think she's probably acting out of desperation. Yeah, it feels like it. And I hope they can renew her contract ASAP so she doesn't have to do this again next year if she's coming back. (laughs) Uh, We talk a little bit about Jen and Tamara's experience together during the season. 
So Ryan was invited to the reunion, but he declined the invitation because he knew it was just going to come down to him duking it out with Tamara. And there's no winning in that situation for Ryan because it's it's never a good look for a man to be fighting with a woman. So I think that's fair. I also do think potentially that might have been a little bit of a cop out. Yeah, I kind of felt like that too, because he's such a performer and this would be such a volatile and unexpected environment. I don't think he could plan for this. That was my opinion. Andy. Andy was kind of on fire at this reunion and he asks everyone whether they believe Jen had a physical or an emotional affair with Ryan. And Tamara just, she doesn't really say much, but she kind of says like, yeah, I, 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 I believe it was physical because Ryan sat her and Eddie down to tell them they were having an affair. She did apologize for telling Jen that she destroyed her family, which is something, I guess, kind of. But she is really holding on to the hammer here with Jen and saying the fact that Jen defends Ryan and isn't being honest is the crux of the issue for her. Mm. And the details were all super sketchy to me because it looks as if Jen has told a few different versions of how this cheating and the break and that whole situation happened, but also the photo of the limp dick going out. You know, she told the woman she was on a plane when it happened, or then she tweeted she was in bed when it happened or something like that. Like there's a differing um, story and description of how the event happened. So the timeline isn't quite right. It comes across as sketchy. But Heather did ask a very good question. Why is Jen being attacked for this? And honestly, I don't really understand it myself. Like you and I have said all the way along, yes, it is really annoying to watch your friend go blindly into a relationship like this. Mm -hmm. You know, the way Jen is with Ryan. But the level of anger towards Jen for it is so overboard. Tamara actually says to her, you're a piece of shit, you cheater. Like, wow. You cheater. Yeah. And then 30 seconds later, she backtracks. Like, listen, I don't care if you cheated. Tamara, (laughs) you're just being mean. She's being mean. She's annoyed with Jen because she knows probably like most of us, Jen has reservations about Ryan and she isn't Mm -hmm. really being honest about them with the group, but she has shown us she is. She is an actions person. So you see her kind of breaking down, crying in her room in Mexico, calling Ryan. You have to tell me, you have to tell me. And then to everyone, I love him. I love that man. So I get how annoying that is. But yeah, Tamara, back the fuck off. Ryan's text messages were brought up and Tamara printed them out to bring with her. I don't see the point in any of this if Jen already knows all of it. Like she's seen all of them. She found the pictures. She was in the Bahamas. She saw the messages from the concerts. Like she's seen all of it and she still wants to stay with Ryan. At that point, as Jen's friend, fucking let it go. She has the details. She's made her choice. She's made her bed. Let her lay in it. There's nothing else you can do but let the situation play out. It's not up to Tamara to like crucify her. Yeah, she doesn't need to be judge and jury here. Shannon really was trying to pretend she's team Jen and team Mm -hmm. Tamara simultaneously. 
Emily is so pissed about this. Jen fumbled the limp dick story, Narelle, and and I, I gotta admit, it feels super sketch to me. Miss Jen, according to Gina, is choosing to move on. Denim jacket and all, everyone. She is adamant. <laughs> she is very in love and feels loved back. At this point, none of us are buying it. And I do see Tamara's point, but she just, as usual, is going about it in all the wrong way. Of course. Of course. So Taylor's brought out around this point, and it's just in time for the flashback of Heather's moments throughout the season. And oh my god, the story of Terry having a stroke, and how Heather had to chase him around Beverly Hills because he was like belligerent and confused. That was insane. I felt so bad. That would have been horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And then to have to come to the reunion directly afterwards it sounds because she hasn't had time to process fuck man geez she's a trooper she really is of course taylor doesn't skip a beat before getting a few digs into heather about how the part she was offered in her movie actually ended up being given to a really big actor but she can't reveal who that is so she said that an actor called Eric Armstrong played the part previously. Eric Armstrong? So I looked Armstrong. this movie up on IMDb. Okay, let's not be offensive, okay? He okay. might be a big actor. I don't know who Eric Armstrong is either, but I don't want to go, I don't want to pull a, a Heather here, or a, <laughs> no, pull a Tamara here. Maybe he hasn't had anything since the 1900s, I don't know. I looked the movie up on IMDb. Eric Armstrong is playing the part currently. Who the Eric Armstrong. Is that her brother or something? Taylor Armstrong? Eric No. Hmm. I th- Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> um I think he's the actor. He must be the big actor. I don't know what Taylor's talking about because Eric Armstrong is playing the part that she said Eric Armstrong used to be playing you the do part. You, Taylor. And then Heather was supposed to play the part yeah. of a man. I don't know. This was weird. Yeah, no shit. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> okay well yeah honestly i kind of don't care about taylor's movie at all i don't and i i want her to stop caring about heather's reaction to it because i mean i i kind of get it haven't you ever had those moments where someone's like oh narelle look i'm making this beautiful thing do you want to help me build it and then you look at it and it's like a piece of shit and you're like Mm, no (laughs) you're cute you're so (laughs) cute you're just like you know anyway yeah but to be fair i didn't know that eric armstrong was helping that person build it maybe if i knew (laughs) then i would have joined in oh eric armstrong reach out to us uh watching heather she cracks me up because she's so delusional she was trying to frame her question of where is Oklahoma? As being a legitimate geography question was too good. It was so Heather. Wasn't it? <laughs> but Taylor, she was having none of it. She also gets real serious when she tells Heather, don't you ever call me anti-female because that is bullshit. And then she talks about how she is an advocate, of course, for domestic violence abuse survivors. And of course, but that is not related. Okay, Taylor. And Heather says, well, 
maybe you should support the career of me, a woman. And Taylor is like, well, hello, I think trying to give you a part in the movie I was in was supporting you. Game, set, match. Taylor, Taylor got a point there for me. That was a really good point. I gave her 10 points (laughs) for that. All of the women really seem to have the feeling that Heather holds herself above all of them. But I think the problem is that all of the women hold her above them as well. Maybe it's because of her wealth. I don't know. But I don't think Heather acting mightier than thou all the time would be all that irritating unless deep down these women are afraid it's true. Taylor included. It certainly seems like a witch hunt against Heather. She doesn't get much leeway from the majority of these women. I was very annoyed when Heather was trying to explain why she feels isolated. And Shannon just cuts her off because she had to go pee. Just so much disrespect. Mm. Yeah, I didn't believe that pee comment at all. No, me neither. It was just a gr- another little gross tactic, I think. And then Emily tells Heather she needs to lighten up. If any of those women on that stage were being ganged up on like Heather is, I'd be very curious to see how light they were. Mm-hmm. So we get a note that flashes up telling us that this reunion was filmed 10 days prior to Shannon being arrested for her DUI. Because obviously we're about to get into Shannon's disgusting comments about Gina's DUI this season. Yeah. Uh, this must have been really hard for Shannon to watch back. Now, no doubt. We talk a little bit about how Gina dealt with her feelings this season, going through processing her own issues with Travis while getting to know Jen, and how all of her feelings were coming to the surface now that she's sober. Narelle, did you notice that Gina stated she felt guilt for exposing Matt's infidelity and domestic abuse on TV? I know we've talked about this so many times, and I kind of figured... That is probably a big part of the reason why she is trying so hard to fix Matt's reputation this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate that she feels guilty. I hate that she feels guilty and that she feels obligated to do that. Yeah, me too. And then Andy points out to Shannon that at last year's reunion, she stated that she was never going to bring up Gina's DUI again. <laughs> and Shannon is just like, well, yeah, but it's different. Because I don't remember saying it. (laughs) Oh my god. Then Andy asked Gina if she ever got an apology from Shannon, which she has not. But Shannon was like, I gave you one in the pumpkin patch. Even though she never acknowledged that it happened, but Shannon doubles down on it. Like, Gina, I do not remember saying it. Okay, Shannon. But at this point, you've watched yourself say it on camera. And as soon as that episode aired and you saw the words coming out of your mouth, you needed to reach out to Gina and apologize again, genuinely and from the heart. But you didn't. Yes. Her ridiculous defensive explanation for how she never meant that she thought the kids were going to be taken by CPS because of the DUI. It was only that if there wasn't an adult present when she was being taken away by the cops that night then the kids would need to be cared for. Come on, everyone is just rolling their eyes at this point. Even with irrefutable proof that she's said and done something wrong, Shannon is unable to be accountable for her behavior. It is very sad. And to make it even worse, she further explained that her behavior was because she doesn't like Gina. I don't like you. 
You don't know anything about me. So Gina fires back, and I haven't said anything about you. Then, what I think was the best part of the entire reunion, Gina asks her, what are my children's names? But Shannon's only able to come up with one of them. So Gina justifiably yells, never talk about my children again. I've known you for six years and you don't even know my kids' names. And for you to drop a bomb about CPS is just wrong. For you to be saying anything right now other than I'm sorry is wrong. And Shannon still doesn't apologize. Oh man, Gina owned this. And I think she took Shannon down. Shannon's defensive commentary comes across as a little bit pathetic. Gina goes in for the kill, comparing the fact that Shannon was so upset that people were talking about her fucking relationship issues, and yet she had the audacity to talk about her children. My children! My children! And Shannon's got nothing, but she just can't acknowledge or apologize. Those thoughts don't just pop out when you're intoxicated. You have thought these things before. Shannon, apologize. This is such a disgusting hill to die on. Even if she's not genuinely sorry at this point, logically she should know it looks worse for her not to apologize. Yeah. Like there is zero excuse for her not reaching out to Gina after seeing herself say the shit that she said. She even starts reading off a list of kind things. That she's done for Gina over the years. I couldn't. This woman. Delusional. Incredibly hypocritical. At what point do you not just put your defenses down and you say you're sorry? When you see how much the person in front of you is hurt by something that you've done, Shannon is just so entirely unable to humble herself in any way. Yes, girl. It was really something. It was sickening almost. It was. We're going to pick back up in like halfway through that conversation. So it's likely to get even more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of scenes that I'm excited to, to you know, yeah. get into. Do we know if Vicky's going to come on at all? I don't know. I, I have a feeling not, but maybe... She was a friend of, though, wasn't she? I, like, Taylor? Was she a friend of, technically? I feel like... I don't know. More of a guest, but you I don't know. right. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it was a decent reunion. Nothing too uh, atomic bombish. so maybe next week will be better. Yeah, and it's a two-parter, so it will be concluded next week. I'm excited. Yes, me too. I am so excited. And we have some awesome shows coming out very, very shortly. Narelle. Yes, we do. Winterhouse. Oh my God. So Winterhouse is starting on October 25th. I wanted to ask you, like, what do we think? Is it too much to add Winterhouse in? Mm, Well, we can watch. Maybe we should just go by if it's good or not. Maybe. Okay. Because there's going to be a lot of Lindsay Carl drama. So maybe what we'll do, we'll watch it. We'll like see if the drama's good. We can like check in at the end of our podcast episode and talk about Lindsay and Carl a little bit. 
rather than doing like an entire recap, unless it's fantastic, then we might just have to add it into the rotation. Perfect. I love it. Because we've also got Beverly Hills starting on the 25th. So that is going to replace OC. I think there's just one week of no replacement for OC. Okay. And then Potomac is due to start on the 5th. So that's going to replace Roni. I'm not sure when the Roni finale is. Hopefully there's no crossover or you and I are going to have a very hard time. Yeah, we are. But I am so excited for Potomac. One of my all-time fave shows, Karen Huger. Stan, honey. I love her. She is hysterical. I'm horrified to admit that I am more excited for Beverly Hills. Are you? I just hope it's a good season this year i know everybody hates beverly hills i kind of hate beverly hills too but it was my first beverly hills is what got me into housewives that's fair i'm excited to see it without lisa rinna but Mm -hmm. i'm i don't know i don't know i don't know i'm excited (laughs) they have some very intense characters so it's always yeah good it's always a good solid watch you know yeah the drama the drama and we'll see we'll see kyle and mauricio and how that all shakes out yeah at this point there's so much chatter online i just don't even care no me either (laughs) like give us facts guys having said that maybe i'm not all that excited (laughs) for beverly hills (laughs) But I am excited that we have two of our favorites coming up. Yeah. That'll be good. That's going to take us through Christmas. Dang, girl. Well, it has been awesome as usual. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Share the pod if you want with your Bravo lover friends. And we really appreciate you guys. We love you for it. Yeah, we, we love you guys. We really do. But until next time, stay truthful. And not hopeless. Bye. Love you. Bye. Have a great week. Share and like and subscribe. And give us a good rating. Or we'll hunt you down. Please. Yes. (laughs) Please. Please. If you're going to leave us a bad rating, just don't leave it at all. Okay? You asshole. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Agreed. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)